Christian comedian Tim Hawkins talks about the, the Christian fish symbol in his uh, comedic way uh, that you've probably seen on the back of some uh, car bumper. Well, in the Gospels, we don't see the disciples slapping bumper stickers on the, uh, on the, on the back end of their donkey, uh, and I'm not knocking that, but probably not the most effective method of sharing Christ, of evangelism. In Mark 1:17, Jesus is putting his team together and he approaches two young fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and they're going about their daily routine and he calls them. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men or I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus used the fisherman metaphor because, uh, well, because they were fishermen, but also because that he, his idea was to call his disciples and equip them to do exactly that, to fish or, for, or to, uh, to search for people that would come to know him as life eternal. Now, evangelism is uh, the word that we use to describe this process of, of showing and sharing the good news message of Jesus. For, for some, this word has negative connotations, and understandably so, because who of us haven't uh, come across, uh, been, been uh, accosted by uh, overbearing Christians, right? Uh, and so they want nothing to do, even some Christ followers, with, with this idea of evangelism. Uh, for others, it's actually a positive connotation that they have in their mind about this word that keeps them from engaging in evangelism that God wants us to, uh, because they, they think they have to be very articulate, uh, very articulate, um, or that they have to have all the answers to everybody's questions. Well, neither of those things are true. So simple encouragement, don't let the negative or the positive perceptions or connotations that you have of this word, of this idea, evangelism, to keep you from engaging in it. The one sentence reminder in this message is that as Christ followers, Jesus calls us to share his love, to share uh, his message of grace and hope with people in our world. But as Christ followers, we probably all know, no matter how long you've been a Christian, especially those of us that have been Christ followers for a long time, we can, we can easily lose sight of the fact that this is a priority of God's in our lives. Alpha Canada recently did a survey of Canadian church leaders uh, and asking them to share their thoughts about this idea, this biblical activity of evangelism. And I was deeply concerned to see that in that survey, 31% of church leaders in Canada say that it's wrong to share their Christian beliefs with others with the hope that they would come to be Christians themselves. And, and the majority of those church leaders were people in pastoral roles. It was, just, it was just mind boggling. And that percentage in that particular study, in that survey, goes up to 48% that feel that way when uh, when it, uh, when, when 48% uh, of children's workers and youth workers, actually. And I'm so grateful that that is not the case in our church, and you need to know that. Very concerning statistics. Uh, 
And those, those stats kind of stand in contrast to what uh, atheist and uh, magician Penn Gillett said a few years ago about Christians who don't share the gospel message that they say they believe in. He said that he does not respect Christians who do not share the message with people. I mean, he's an atheist, remember. He said this. I believe there, or sorry, he said, he said, if you believe there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell and not receiving eternal life and you think it's not really worth sharing with them because it, it might be socially awkward. <laughs> Quizzically, he said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? <laughs> what an, an astounding statement especially from an atheist. 1 Peter 3 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. Biblically, it's undeniable that being an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus involves a commitment to showing and sharing the good news message of Jesus' salvation wherever we go. But often there's a problem that we could call or that has been called evangelistic inertia. Now, inertia is defined as a property of matter that, uh, that continues in its existing state of rest or in unchanging motion unless that state is changed by an external force, inertia. If you've been a Christian for a while, it's likely that evangelistic inertia has settled in your heart at times, and maybe that's where you are today. We often need the external force of God's love and power and supernatural reminder of his heart for spiritually lost people. We need that to, to ignite our passion for people who don't yet know Christ. And the best way, really, to keep that passion burning in us for people that don't know Christ is to pray every day for people in our lives who do not yet know him. And, of course, to be, to be active prayerfully in sharing with them the good news message of Jesus and what he's done in our lives as the Spirit leads us to do. Well, in this message, there are six main points that, um, that are taken from an old course entitled Becoming a Contagious Christian. And this will be familiar to some of you. Um, that, that's being, being positively, obviously, positively contagious is the idea. Each of these six are called uh, evangelism styles, de describing uh, ways to evangelize, but based on how God has created you, based on how he's wired you in your personality. So what is a disciple? It's someone who responds obediently to our Lord's call to show, there it is again, to show and to share his good news message through our everyday life, in our everyday life with, with people that come across our path, people that we know, people that we don't know. And with each of these evangelism styles, there is also a biblical example and a caution. So let's get started. Number one, first one confrontational style. 
Biblical example is Peter in Acts chapter 2. We don't have time to read the full passages. You can do that on your own, your homework. Uh, you can start reading, uh, well, right at the beginning of Acts 2. But at uh, verse 23, Acts 2, uh, verse 23 and following, Peter, we see him being very direct, uh, confrontational, not in a negative way, but, but very direct in his message about the death and resurrection of Jesus and that, that Jesus was the Messiah that these Jews had been waiting for. So the person with this style is, is usually uh, quite direct in conversation generally, uh, but don't equate a confrontational style with being, uh, as we said before, uh, overbearing, uh, and certainly not, uh, it's not being discourteous, right? Uh, those characteristics actually would be a hindrance to being an effective witness for Christ. Um, Confrontational is not my natural style, but, but with all these styles, we need to be open as the Spirit leads us in different conversations, situations. I remember many years ago, I, I, sent, uh, or I, I sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit in an in a, uh, interaction I had with a hitchhiker that I had picked up. I don't recommend that, but this was many years ago. Uh, and, and as we were driving, after I picked up this guy, uh, we came upon a funeral procession. And as we did, I... I felt prompted, I, I, I turned to the man and I said, you ever thought about dying? And, and, and right away he said, absolutely, I have. And then the question came to mind, I believe this, the Spirit of God led me to ask him, well, have you ever thought about where you will go when you die? And again, right away he said, I, I have, yes. And, and I have Christian friends who, who have talked to me about that very thing. It's very interesting. Well, we had, Brief conversation about that until I dropped him off at his destination and then, and then I drove away praying that his Christian friends would continue to share the good news message of Jesus with him. You see, being direct is an approach that God can use in many interactions with people. But the caution, again, here it is. Uh, as I said a moment ago, every style will have a caution to be aware of. And it is, we've said it already, the caution for this particular style is, is don't be overbearing. Don't come across like you have all the answers. So let the Holy Spirit, if this is you, if this is how you're wired, let the Holy Spirit lead you in how to still be sensitive and tactful in your naturally direct approach. And secondly, intellectual style. Some of you are analytical. You enjoy intellectual discussions. Well, let me tell you that God can use uh, you. God can use this style, uh, your wiring in this way, to open hearts of, of skeptics. You'll be the ones to, uh, well, that will probably find yourself more often in conversations with atheists. Uh, listen to what former atheist turned Christ follower Lee Strobel said. He said, to continue in atheism, I would need to believe that nothing produces everything, non-life produces life, randomness produces fine-tuning, and non-reason produces reason. I simply didn't have that much faith. And so he surrendered his life to God. And you'll find yourself in conversations with people that are that are there and that are processing those, those deep questions. Well, the Apostle Paul is the biblical example here. Acts 17, Paul uses his intellectual style in conversation with a group of philosophers in the city of Athens. And they, they said something very interesting to Paul. They said, you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we wanna know 
what they mean. So there was this curiosity that the Holy Spirit was cultivating. And so Paul uses one of their own altars, one of their altars of, of, of worship in that context to explain about Jesus. And it was labeled the altar to the unknown God. Well, the Holy Spirit directs Paul to say, this one to, to, to you who is unknown is the one I've been telling you about. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Those with the, this intellectual evangelism style can clearly define and defend the gospel. And if this is you, uh, continue to study, study well and, and equip yourself because God will bring skeptics across your path to hear about Jesus. In a, in a way that answers some of the sincere questions that many of them have. The caution here for those with this style is, is to be sure that you avoid uh, being argumentative. Uh, sharing Christ is never about winning an argument. So be committed to listening well. As a matter of fact, listen as much or more than you explain or define things. And remember, we can never we can never substitute uh, solid arguments, as important as, as those are, uh, for the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people to, to bring them to the realization that they need Christ, right? That's not on you or me, thank goodness. Uh, one, one more thing here, in your conversation with people, remember that it's okay to say you know, things like, uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh -huh. Never thought about it that way before. Or, or I want to look into that a little more before I respond. I'll get back to you. And then, of course, that gives you another opportunity to have a follow-up conversation with that person. And that's a, that's a good thing. Third style is the invitational style. A biblical example is uh, the woman in John chapter 4 who went to the well to get water and Jesus met her there. And they had a good conversation about, about thirst, about water, about spiritual thirst as Jesus guided the conversation. And, and, and after being obviously impacted deeply by her interaction with Jesus that day, this woman employs the invitational style. Uh, verses 28 and 29 of John 4, the, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And after they came and met him for themselves, they made the exciting declaration to that same woman, a Samaritan woman there. They said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world in verse 42. I mean, that's, that's the power of invitation. And there are people you have influenced by the genuineness of your faith and of your character and they trust you and then, and then you invite them to Alpha or to a Sunday gathering where they will hear the same message that you've shared with them, but from someone else. And they, they, they helps them move a little closer to making a commitment to Christ themselves. That, that's personal evangelism combined with the evangelism efforts of a local church. Powerful, it's powerful. Years ago, actually, Pastor Rick Warren wrote an article, uh, Five Steps to Creating a Culture of Evangelism in Your Church. And his fourth point was this, he said, create good excuses for people to invite others to church. 
That's why um, over the years, ladies in our church have worked very hard uh, to provide a top-notch Christian, uh, sorry, Christmas banquet uh, where Christ followers feel comfortable to invite their seeking friends. It's why um, Pastor Joel works so hard on making Alpha available and why so many uh, good Eaglemont people make themselves available as Alpha table leaders. It's why we occasionally do uh, message series like The Problem of God we did a few years ago that are especially conducive to inviting spiritually seeking friends. Here's the caution for those of you with this invitational style. Be careful not to let uh, others always do the talking for you. Y your friends need to hear you. They need to hear how Jesus has changed your life. Your friends trust you and so uh, you will be, they, they will be open to hear you and you'll probably be the best one to answer their questions about faith. And, and, and again, combined with other uh, speakers or preachers or programs in the church, this can be uh, powerful and move people toward uh, personal faith themselves. Fourth, interpersonal style. You're the ones who enjoy uh, building friendships, relationships. You're typically sensitive toward others and have no problem being conversational. The biblical example here is Matthew. He became a follower of Jesus and soon wanted all his old tax collector buddies uh, to meet Jesus. And Luke tells us in, in Luke 5, 29, uh, tells us that, that Matthew threw a party, a party with a purpose uh, at his place to, to get Jesus and all his friends together interpersonal style, someone who knew that in the context of relationship that who Jesus was would be seen by others. And so Matthew, yeah, he wanted the lives of his friends to be changed by Jesus uh, like his had been. And so he threw this, uh, what has sometimes been referred to as a Matthew party, party with a purpose. People will come to trust those of you with this style and feel comfortable asking uh, asking you questions about Christ. Behind those questions, there's typically a story. Um, and so before you start uh, sharing your story, which for you, with people with this style, is very easy for you to do, uh, hold off, try to hold off, ask, ask questions uh, of, of the other individual to hear about their story. Because people, people wanna be heard, they wanna be, they wanna be known. The caution here is, is to be sure that you don't elevate the relationship over speaking the truth into someone's life when it needs to be spoken. And if that resonates with you, uh, then, uh, well, those with this style, that, that likely will, that statement, that caution will resonate with you. Number five, uh, testimonial style. Biblical example is uh, the man in John 9 who was blind, but Jesus heals him. And so in this chapter of John 9, he, he suddenly can see. But the legalistic Pharisees got involved because this healing happened on their Sabbath, and that was a no-no. And so there's this discussion and, and, and even debate about who, who this was that healed the, the, this man. And, and, and the man's parents even weigh in and say, we don't know who the healer is. And his parents say, yeah, who cares? He's, he's better, he can see. You know? And then finally the man himself speaks up and says, 
<laughs> one thing I, I do know, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's the bottom line. We see this uh, testimony, testimonial style, good example. And, and many of you have a natural way of talking about your relationship with Jesus and, and, and what he has done in your life. And that can be very uh, influential with those who, who know and trust you because your story is a living example of the love and grace of Jesus. And so your, your testimony is powerful and God can use any one of us as Christ followers. We all have a testimony. You don't, you don't have to have some crazy or, or sordid past to, in, in order to say that you have a, a real testimony. No, not at all. Your testimony can be simple and, and, and it can simply be sharing about the powerful and biblical truths that, that you now live by virtue of the fact that you know Christ personally. Things like uh, God's supernatural peace, that you experience it uh, being deposited in your heart and, and replacing that anxiety. And yeah, sometimes that's a, that's a battle and what have you, but, but you know it, you've experienced it, and you know it's real, that's a powerful thing, that's part of your testimony. Uh, or, or maybe it's, it's you've experienced the, the undeniable change from being a very insecure person to being Confident, not self-confident, not cocky, but confident in, in your identity as a child of God and in the truth that you're, that you're unconditionally loved by him and that, that it's his opinion of you that matters. That's, a, again, a powerful thing in this culture. Uh, and, and most of all, the testimony of, you know, the, the power of your testimony that involves you being forgiven, completely forgiven, and the freedom that you... That you, that you know and experience by that truth because you've given your sin, you've surrendered your life, you've, you've asked forgiveness for your sin and God has given it because of what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, that's powerful stuff. The caution here is don't talk too much. Those of you with this particular style, uh, testimonial, don't talk too much. Remember that listening is an important part of communication and that you earn the right to be heard when you first listen well. Sixth, finally, serving style. Biblical example is a lady named Tabitha in Acts chapter nine. And these are people who are naturally very giving, they're other-centered, uh, they're often mercy-gifted people. They, they find joy in meeting the needs of others. And in Acts 9, 36, this lady Tabitha, it says of her, she was always doing good and helping the poor. What a neat thing. Quietly, consistently, she shared the love of Christ in practical ways. And so many of you do this, and, and way to go for that. And, and if this is you, one, of, one thing you need to remember is this, that you, you, don't, you don't serve instead of evangelizing. You evangelize by your serving, right? Christian author Joe Aldridge uh, writes about a young salesman disappointed about losing a big sale. And as he, as he talked to his sales manager, he lamented and he, and he, he said, I, I guess it just proves you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, the wise manager replied, son, your job is not to make them drink. Your job is to make them thirsty. And Aldrich goes on to point out that this is the way it is with, with evangelism. Because walls that people have built up between them and God, sometimes over many years, 
can literally be dismantled brick by brick through loving and very ordinary acts of service. How exciting is that? Caution here is just as words are no substitute for actions, actions cannot ever be a substitute for words. In other words, we, we must be prepared to also verbally share the gospel. The authors of the book Total Church write this, Francis of Assisi is alleged to have said, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. They, they, they write about that, they, they said, that may be a, a great medieval soundbite, but it falls short of what the Bible teaches about evangelism. Jesus began his public ministry, the author writes, by proclaiming the good news of God, Mark 1.14. You see, nobody, nobody gets eternally saved by merely watching your life. Yes, uh, how we live matters. A loving influence is significant and important, but people are saved when they hear and respond to, of course, but when they hear the clear message of Jesus' death and resurrection explained. Be prepared to do that. Romans, it's what Romans 10, 14 says, right? How can they believe uh, in, in Christ if, they, if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Jesus calls his followers, us, to be the ones who verbalize and, and, and describe, define that message of the gospel. I want to conclude with this God orchestrated, what I believe is God orchestrated story about John 3.16, a verse in the, in the New Testament that many of us uh, memorized uh, when we were children. Tim Tebow was the quarterback for the Denver Broncos and they beat the Steelers uh, to go on to play the Patriots in the playoffs in 2012. Well, after the game, the Broncos PR guy, his name is Patrick, I'm assuming that he also is a Christ follower because he comes to Tim Tebow with excitement and says, do you realize what happened? And Tim wasn't sure what he was talking about, so Patrick went on to explain. Tonight is exactly three years to the day since you wrote uh, John 3.16 under your eyes, which Tebow, uh, Tebow, <laughs> who's that? I'm not sure. Uh, which, which Tebow had first done in an important college game. And then Patrick said to Tebow, you threw for tonight, you threw for 316 yards, your yards per completion were 31.6, your yards per rush were 3.16, the game's TV rating for tonight was 31.6, your time of possession was 31 and six seconds. And during the game, 90 million people Googled John 3.16, and it's the number one trending thing on social media right now. <laughs> Wild. Think what you want about that. I got no problem believing that God can orchestrate something crazy like that around a verse in the Bible that is core, absolutely core explanation of the gospel message. You see, God doesn't need us to make his gospel known, but he's chosen to use us. What a phenomenal thing. To use us in, in this, his grand purpose of declaring his message of grace and forgiveness and eternal life. It's very humbling, very exciting. 
Well, it's a big task. And so we definitely need the Holy Spirit's power to do this uh, courageously, wisely, lovingly. And so I ask you tonight, Christian friend, would you allow God to use you as he has wired you and, and to, to show and share the good news message of Jesus in the way he's, he's created you to be? In response to this message, I, I, want, you, I want to give you, I want, to, want you to have access to uh, a document. It's an, an evangelism styles questionnaire, actually, and, and you can access it by going to eaglemont.info and click on the uh, evangelism styles button there. And it's a, it's a page of questions to respond to that will help you discern what your evangelism style or styles are. And maybe you just know no question already, but it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to do this questionnaire and I really encourage you. I'd be curious to hear uh, about your experience with it. But, uh, and, and again, this is not uh, the be all and end all, but it's one tool. It contains as well, this document contains the, uh, some of the key notes um, and scriptures and cautions that I've shared with each of these six styles. So something that you can, you can have uh, that will be helpful to review, I'm sure. Uh, so, and that's your homework then. To, uh, to do that questionnaire and, uh, and approach prayerfully this whole idea of what it means for you in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, what it means for you to be a witness for Christ, to show and share his good news message that you and I have been privileged to receive in Christ eternal life, that special gift. And so I wanna, I wanna pray for you as we close tonight that God would help you, that he would bring passion into your heart for lost people in your life. And uh, let me pray uh, for you now. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son into this world, for our eternal salvation. And God, I pray that for any of us who have become stuck in evangelism inertia, that we would allow your spirit's power and passion for lost people to flood our hearts and, and move us out with intentionality, with, with wisdom, with compassion, with love for people. So much so, God, that we would be looking for opportunities to show and to share your good news message with people that you bring into our lives every day. We need your spirit. Jesus, baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Immerse us in your Holy Spirit so that we would have the boldness and the power and the love to do this in the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen.